Good morning. Good morning, transit family. Feel free to grab your seat. Stop being nice and friendly to each other. Grab your seat. Bless you guys. How's everyone doing today, this morning? Are we good? How about that worship? Can we hear it for the band, Lena's Exaltation of Jesus? It was amazing. Um, well, uh, a lot of you have been, uh, I was going to sit, but I've never given a sermon sitting before, and I'm not going to let my foot stop me from doing that. And so if I collapse up here, Jake will come and put me on the chair, and I'll preach. Okay, so a lot of you have been asking, let me just clear the air. Um, uh, about what happened with my foot while I'm on crutches. So I was skateboarding, right? Okay, just kidding. Uh, I uh, Basically, I didn't rest plantar fasciitis. It kind of blew out my arch of my foot. And so here we are on crutches. That's the, the generic general way to say it. There's a lot more details in between that, but I'll spare you the details. And so uh, today, uh, I'll explain the structure of today. It's going to look a little bit different. We're taking a break from preaching through uh, our sermon series, through uh, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, through Ephesians. And today, we're going to be giving a message on baptism because we don't normally have a big pool of water in the front of the stage. And so we're celebrating baptism today. Who's here is excited about that? You guys excited? Yeah. And so today, uh, Jaden Matthew and Kelsey Mudrizo. Yeah, there you go. Are, are taking the plunge. And here's our open invite. If uh, you have uh, given your life into the hands of Jesus and confessed his lordship in your life but never been baptized, but as I'm speaking, if the Lord just kind of prompts you that, hey, today, today's the day, why not take the plunge? Uh, Come up after the service, and, and uh, we have more towels, and um, as uh, you feel led, if you feel like today's the day, and you're praying about it, and you want to take the plunge, uh, the, the waters of baptism are open to all this morning, okay? So open up your Bibles. We're going to be in John 11 today, so through uh, uh, this theme of Baptism Sunday, we're going to be looking at Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and so as you're turning there to John 11, uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going we're gonna, to uh, go verse by verse through this for our time together, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for the hope you've given us in Jesus Christ. That in this world of confusion and chaos and sin and brokenness and darkness, that light has come, hope has come, restoration has come in Jesus. Lord, we don't want to take that for granted today. For those of us who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, we don't want to just punch in and, and punch out the, the punch card today. Lord, would you, Holy Spirit, come and give us fresh eyes to see how amazing your love is for us in Christ Jesus, who descended into our world, descended into our darkness and our brokenness to bring resurrection, to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring new life. And so that's what we're celebrating today, Jesus. We're celebrating you that hope has come, freedom has come. In these next few moments, Jesus, would you be glorified and magnified? Would you be seen for who you rightly are? Would I just be the donkey that you ride in on today into our hearts? Would I disappear and be forgotten? And Jesus, would you be glorified and magnified as the only one who can bring true everlasting life? to our broken, sinful hearts. So we love you, we celebrate you, we honor you today, and all God's people said, amen. All right, John 17 through 22, we're gonna kind of go verse by verse through this, diving on in, here we go. Now when Jesus came, 
he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Uh, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. And so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So let's stop right there. And so uh, let me paint the picture for you. Uh, What we learn in John 11 is that a very close friend of Jesus Christ and the brother of Mary and Martha, Lazarus, he got ill and he has died. He's passed away. And um, at this point in John's gospel, John was a a follower of Jesus, one of the 12 disciples. And his gospel written around 85 AD was an eyewitness account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And this account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead was right near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry where he was about to be betrayed and, and go to the cross to die for our sins and then rise to new life. And um, at this point in his ministry, Jesus' fame has spread throughout ancient Galilee, ancient Palestine, Palestine and the region of Galilee. Uh, Jesus came preaching a message of good news, that salvation has come to repent, to turn from being Lord of your life and come and, 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 and pledge your allegiance to the true king that has come to do what? Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus Christ came with the message that in this broken, sin-cursed, divided, hostile world that the kingdom of restoration and healing and peace and hope was coming through his life, through his ministry. And so therefore, Jesus preached that good news to turn from sin and turn to your Savior to get new life. He preached that gospel, but he also ushered in the kingdom of this good news that Jesus was coming to restore all things. That we as Christians believe that God created everything good. And that uh, there's this word in the scriptures called shalom, which is perfect peace, restoration, meaning everything is working the way God intended it to be. And if you've been walking in this world for longer than two minutes, you know that not everything is the way it ought to be. Uh, Arches blow out when you're just walking with your wife. right? Somebody say amen, right? And we know deep inside of our hearts there's this sighing, this groaning, this longing that surely this can't be this life of suffering and confusion. This can't be all there is. There has to be something more. And Jesus came saying there is something more. It's this glorious kingdom that's going to go to the ends of the earth. And then what he did to back up his message that he was king was he started healing the sick. What was that? Well, sickness was never part of God's original design. When we sinned, when we ran from God, this, this, this cancer, this virus spread throughout all creation and, and created brokenness. And Jesus came to bring restoration of all things back to God. And so when Jesus comes in and heals the sick, Like we see in the Gospels, what he's doing there is nothing supernatural. It's actually he's returning humanity back to the way God designed them to. When Jesus comes and he heals someone oppressed uh, through demonic uh, affliction, he's restoring that person back to God's original design. When Jesus comes and, and death was never God's intention for humanity, and when he raises the dead, he's bringing in the kingdom of God, the restoration of all things. So we have faith and hope as Christians that that kingdom has come in Christ Jesus and although we don't fully see it yet one day, we, we, we have tasted and seen what Jesus has done in our own broken hearts, the new life that he's done. Some of us, like myself, saved from addiction and, and dark thoughts, and Jesus came and, and rescued us 
and made us brand new and restored us back to relationship uh, with God. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what Jesus Christ came to do. Now entered the conversation that Jesus is having with Martha. Martha knew who Jesus was. She loved Jesus. She saw that she, she believed Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God sent to save the world. And restore the world back to God. She had seen Jesus' miracles. She knew what he was capable of doing. And we enter a fly on the wall in this conversation where Martha goes to Jesus. And uh, there's some of us in this room who can resonate with this conversation as we prayed for loved ones who know the Lord. And, uh, and, and, and although their healing came after they died, it didn't come in, in this life. And Martha goes to Jesus. She says, where were you? You're late. I believe you. I've seen what you can do. You're four days late. He's dead. He's dead. What happened, right? Anyone been in those moments? Isn't that, isn't that like the human condition, those who wrestle with God? I mean, I have faith, God. I've seen what you can do in my own life. I've seen, what you, I've seen, I've seen countless stories of, of miracles, of your provision, of your prophetic voice in my life. Where were you in this moment? And look at how Jesus responds in verses 23 through 25. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I love love when people like are talking to Jesus and they they know like the Sunday school answers. And I know Jesus, I know, but I'm still angry, all right? And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And see, what we see here in the context of Jesus making that declaration over his life is Martha is saying, my hope and trust in Lazarus's resurrection that I'll see him again is in a day, right? That's what she says. She says, I know that he will rise again on that day. And Jesus says, our hope is not in a day that in some mysterious way when we pass away, we'll go to glory. Uh, the hope of resurrection is only found in a person. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he will live forever with God. And Jesus said in John 17, 3, if we want to know about the eternal life, this is what Jesus came, uh, the message he came to preach, that if you believe in me, I will grant you eternal life. And in John 17, 3, in the high priestly prayer of Jesus, Jesus says this, he defines it for, he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the living God. That eternal life, Jesus being the resurrection and the life, the implication is this, is, is that if you and I want true, everlasting, abundant life after death, and true and abundant life before death, Jesus Christ is the only game in town. It's the only game in town. Jesus Christ says in John 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that I come, that you may have life and have it abundantly, that all of us were created to know and love the living God. And where we ran from him, God ran for us in Christ Jesus to bring us home to his glory, bring us home to his love, because he is a God of love. And so before we gloss over uh, this claim that Jesus makes, we can't just gloss over it, right? We, if you've been in the church for all, you, oh yeah, Jesus is the resurrection life, and this, he's saying this is my identity, this is who I am, and this is what I've promised to do. And uh, we can't just gloss over that because that's like the most audacious, insane claim in human history that anyone has ever made. That's bonkers, all right? That's ab- Jesus is literally saying that eternal life is only found in me. That there was this historical person in the first century, he said, that if you come to me and put your trust in me, you will never die. Although you die, you will live forever in me. That I'll pass you through that grave to eternal life into, into the kingdom. That's insane. That's crazy, right? And so what I love about this, what I, well, the reason I want to slow down here is, is this, is Jesus doesn't leave us the option. 
to pat him on the head and say, you're a good moral teacher, Jesus. And I don't have to wrestle with your claims. You just sit there with all the other great moral teachers and philosophers of the, the world and stay out of my life. You're great. And if you read the Gospels, you can't. He claimed to be God. He came to be God in the flesh, sent to rescue us and to save us from separation from God. And he's saying it right here. These are his words, not my own. It's the Gospel of John, the eyewitness to Jesus. Saying this Jesus, I finally said, I'm the resurrection in the day. And then we all thought he was dead for three days. And then, boom, he shot out of the grave and then appeared to us. And we all gave our lives for, for what we saw, his resurrected glory. I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't leave us any room to put him in that box. He is either an absolute crazy man, a lunatic, and was uh, confused about some things and actually believed that he alone had the, the keys to eternal life. Or it was, a, it, or it was just a, a factual statement about, about who he is, about what he came to do. And what's interesting here is that Jesus doesn't say, I am the resurrection and the life, and he's like, boom, drop the mic, walk away, I'm the man, right? He, he continues. He doesn't just make this profound statement about who he is. He presses Martha with something. And uh, as I was praying for this sermon, this, this jumped out at me, this question he asked Martha. So look back at text, the text again, verses 25 through 27. This is what Jesus says. And Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then watch this. Watch what he says. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now you need to ask the question, why is Jesus asking Martha this question? Why is this important? Why is he saying you believe this? And I had this idea come to mind of, of imagine with me uh, that I'm having a conversation with Jen, my lovely wife, and I make this profound, audacious claim. And the claim is this, I, Jen, I am the most handsome bald man to ever walk the planet earth. And then I ask her, hey babe, do, do you believe that? And she'd be like, ah, I mean, is it really either or? I mean, can't be like, I mean, like, the only, the most, like, really, really, ah, I mean, I love you, Nick, but I mean, I, anyways, right? That'd be crazy. So Jesus isn't, when he's saying, do you believe this? He's not just looking for affirmation. He's not looking for self, like, exaltation, right? Instead of uh, belief being just agreeing with a statement or a propositional statement, like, I believe these crutches are helping me, you know, whatever. Instead of that, it's belief looks like something. Belief, instead of just affirming something that is true, you're acting upon what you believe to be true. Faith looks like something. It looks like action. So let me illustrate it this way. Um, so I've been reminded of this since I've been on crutches. I was on crutches for about a year and a half uh, uh, when I was eight years old because I had leg perthes disease. Uh, some of you probably don't know what leg perthes disease is, but it's when you're a uh, 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 humerus bone, the, the tip of it, where it goes in the socket, it, starts, it, get, it loses the blood supply. So it starts uh, uh, crumbling. It's really bad. It can be really bad. It can, like, get your uh, growth plate and your legs just super short. And um, in that time of, of trying to figure out answers of, of what was going to happen to my right leg, um, there was this doctor we discovered, and his name was Dr. Ring. And although he didn't say that he, in the, in the history of the world, was the leading expert in this, but imagine with me for the sake of illustration, we make it to Dr. Ring's office, and he goes this, listen, I am, and he was, just not the only, but he was, I am the leading expert 
and like Perky's disease, of healing broken hips for kids around eight years old. Uh, I have a long list of, of records of verifying that fact of, of who I am. But the doctor doesn't, didn't stop there. He just say, hey, okay, cool, like, but what do we do about that? Essentially what the doctor does in that moment is he's, he's saying, he's inviting us to receive healing. And he's saying, do you believe that? Do you believe that I, I am who I say I am? And if you believe that, will you trust me with the life of your son? Will you trust me with your life? Little Nick, little eight years old, will you, will you literally hand, put your life into my hands? You don't, you don't know me from Adam. You've heard me say some things, but you know that, you, that where your life is at, it's full of pain, it's full of brokenness, it's full of suffering. You know that you cannot heal yourself. You need the help of another physician, a great physician to come heal internal brokenness. And the doctor, when he says, do you believe me? He's saying, this is what I've come to do. I've come to heal brokenness. I've come to give you new life. You don't have to limp anymore. You don't have to lose your leg. Put your life into my hands and see the new life that I can give you. Because of God's grace and, and favor in my life and because of Dr. Ring and the surgery I had, I was able to run again. I was able to play hockey. Any of my hockey fans out there, only my family over here played hockey, but for the glory of God, right? And uh, this is, you might be asking, Nick, what in the world does this sermon have to do with baptism, right? What are, how is this, and, and here's what I want to hone in on. It has everything to do with baptism. Because as I was praying about uh, the symbolism of baptism, and, and I had this thought, we always focus on the waters of baptism, as we should, right? Because there is no baptism without water. And, and let me just say this, that, Baptism doesn't save you. Uh, uh, the sacrament of baptism, what we believe, it's an outward sign of an inward reality. It's the believer in the Lord Jesus who has already professed Jesus' lordship over their life. They've been born again. They've been filled with the spirit. They've been made a new creation. And what they're doing is just a public expression of what Jesus has done in their hearts. Every covenant of love has a symbol, a wedding ring, and uh, 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 the symbol of the new covenant that we belong to Jesus forever, that covenant symbol like this wedding ring is the symbol of uh, baptism. And so something that I, uh, I missed was, uh, uh, or, or, or that we often miss with baptism is we just focus on the act of the person going under the waters and rising to new life out of the waters, which is great. I'm not saying don't, that's like the main point. But then, but then I had the thought, well, why not self-baptism? Why not be like, hey, Jado, I call him Jaden. Jaden, sorry. Just, <laughs> I've known him for a long time. Jaden, we got some handrails with that horse trough. All right, so I'm just going to stand on the stage, and uh, you just lean back and just go under and then pull yourself up and then, you know, raise that fist in the air. I baptize myself. Yes, thank you, God. Right? Why not self-baptism? And what we, we tend to, to miss is what Jaden is doing is, is he's going to, and, and, my, and my precious daughter, Kelsey, they're going to fold their arms like this. And they're going to place their lives, their body, into the hands of somebody else. Somebody with like a broken foot that they're going to trust is going to. They're going to trust, lower them into the water so they don't hit the back of their head. And then somehow as they're there in the waters, underneath the waters, that we're going to have the strength to pull them back up. Right? Like what faith is, is surrender. And, and so what baptism symbolizes is that Jaden and Kelsey, the first step of, of, of baptism, what it does is it's, it's they've surrendered. To Jesus, I believe that you're the resurrection and the life and that my greatest need is for you to come and save me from sin and death and separation from you. And so I'm surrendering. I'm placing my life in your hands. And so therefore, then the picture of baptism changes uh, from uh, not in a blasphemous way, but imagine that it's Jesus, his nail-starred hands that are, that are, that are slowly putting uh, the baptismal canons into the water, underneath the water, and out of the water today. That's what belief is. It's acting upon what Jesus has said. 
and trusting him. This is what faith looks like. This is what belief looks like. Betting your life, betting your very life on the fact that Jesus Christ is who he said he was and will do what he's promised to do, both now in your life and forevermore. So moving forward in our text, our text continues, verses 38 through 39. And we're skipping ahead. Jesus is now at the grave of Lazarus, and this is what happens next. And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Now, if you're like me, you can resonate with Martha, right? I mean, I don't know if I'd have the boldness to just like publicly rebuke Jesus like that, but I'd be like, yo, don't open that grave. That's going to stink. Like, like for me, I got three kids, and, and our youngest is in diapers. And if you're a parent, I mean, you know that, like, there's certain, I mean, almost every time for me, Jen does it. She's a pro. But for me, I'm like, I do this thing before I change a poopy diaper. You know what I'm talking about? And so instead of just smelling, like, the, you just smell your B.O. and the diaper. You know, you're just like, whatever. But you better believe everyone that's there that's seeing this, all of a sudden they're like, wait, he's, he's rolling that away? Everybody's doing this in the, in the text, right? Like, that's, you know, that's what they're doing. They're wrapping something around their face, right? Except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. And this is what I love about Jesus Christ. When you study his life in the Gospels, he's so unlike us. He's unlike any human in history. Instead of running from brokenness, instead of running from sinners, instead of running from disease, this Jesus Christ did what was radical in the first century. When lepers would come to him with contagious, life-like, threatening skin diseases, Jesus would reach out his hand and he would do what no one had done for them their entire lives and he would extend his hand and, and touch the leper. Uh, Jesus was accused of feasting with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners that the religious Pharisees wanted nothing to do with Jesus. The Pharisees, the religious folk of the day, they kept their distance. Jesus ran full sprint towards the sinner, towards the disease towards everyone that society had shunned, that's who Jesus drew near to. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. If the resurrection and the life keeps his distance from those dead in their sins and trespasses, we don't get resurrection life. And so often in our life, we're full of shame in our sin and our condemnation. We think God is angry at us. We think God is, uh, wants to just rebuke us and, and keep us at a distance. And instead, the invitation of the gospel, Jesus said is, I came into the world for this very purpose, to seek and save the lost. And so Jesus invites us to come to him as we are in our leprosy, in our sin, in, uh, in that condition. And, and as we just go as we are, we leave change when we encounter the resurrection and the life. So Jesus entire purpose of his ministry was to draw near into suffering, into sin, and to bring restoration and resurrection and life. And what the scriptures say is that we are dead in our sins and trespasses, like Lazarus in the grave, that we are separated from true life, that a stone's been rolled over our life, and uh, there's this chasm between us and knowing God, the living God, and it's our sin that has separated us from God, And so therefore, we're helpless. If we're dead in our sins and trespasses, we're helpless to save ourselves. We need the great physician. We need to trust ourselves into the hands of somebody else. And this is what baptism represents. 
is just like Lazarus, us being helpless to save ourselves, bound in the stain and the stench of our sins, and that unless someone saves us, we're destined to separation from God. What baptism represents is, is Jesus calling us out of the grave. He's, he, 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 we, we, he, he, he takes us, and what he does is he, he places us under the waters of his redeeming, cleansing love, dying for us on the cross uh, for our sins, and he cleanses us. And what he does with that is he's washing away our old life. Our old past, all of our regrets, all of our shame, all of our condemnation. He's saying, you're going to leave that in the grave. You're dying to yourself. You're going to rise to new life in me. But in order for you to first rise to new life, you have to be washed away from your old life. And so in a way, when you see uh, Jaden and Kelsey be baptized today, in a, in a, in a way that is, is honoring to them, but if you were to imagine them, that they, you, you could almost smell the, the odor and stench of their sin. Again, like, this moment has already happened for them, but it symbolizes this, that they're standing there. And maybe, maybe they got some stains on their shirt, and they're a little, a little stanky, and, and Jesus is holding them, but when he, he places them under the water, all that stench, all that filth dissolves forever forever and they're cleansed and they come and 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 what was once dirty and and marred and broken is now they're cleansed in pure righteous robes it's a beautiful symbol of the gospel of what jesus offers to us a new life a new start that our old life is in the grave and makes no claim on us anymore and so before jesus gives us new life he washes away our old life, forever removing it. And that was Jesus' refrain on the cross. Our Savior uh, was praying for the very people that were putting him to death, saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. And before he uh, breathed his last breath, Jesus cried out and said, it is finished. And that's what we're celebrating today is that the work of Christ and uh, in regards to their position before God is their work of cleansing. And their debt of sin being paid is that it's finished. The old is gone, the new has come. And our text continues, and I'll wrap up with, with this last line, Ben, you can come forward. Verse 40, and Jesus said to Martha, did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, Come out. And I love this line, verse 44. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, I love this, unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. And that's what we're celebrating with baptism today. Just like Jesus cried out to a man who was dead. Lazarus was dead, and Jesus called him by name, and he said, unbind that man. Let him go. The, the, the grave isn't getting the final say in your life. Death isn't going to get the final say. Your sin's not going to get the final say. I get the final say. And when I plunge you underneath those waters, I get the final say, and I pull you out of those waters of death, and I bring you to me, the resurrection and the life. And what I'm saying is you're coming with me, and we're going home. You're coming with me, and you're going home. And your posture, your standing is forever secure in my nail-scarred hands. Because what baptism also symbolizes is, is why do we believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Does he just say it or does he prove it? And this, this account in, in, with Lazarus was a foreshadowing of what he was going to do. That just as all of us are going to die and have to wrestle with the question, what's going to meet us on the other side? 
Jesus Christ went to death. He was the pioneer, the author of our salvation. And on the cross, he went first. He dove into the waters of death before us. And like me, a father with kids that don't know how to swim, and uh, imagine my, my little kids there are, are, are on this stage. And Jesus, in his, his death on the cross, he went before me. And he's standing there. And in three days, he was under those waters of death. But then he rose again to new life and changed the world with that fact. And he's standing there, and his message to prove that he is the resurrection life is he looks at humanity, and he says, I've gone before you. I've gone before you in death, and I've passed through in glory with a glorified body. Do you believe me? And just like a father with a, a kid that doesn't know how to swim, that's fearful of the waters, that on the other side of this jump, will somebody catch me? And Jesus, through his death and resurrection, is standing on the other side of an empty grave. In those waters, he's saying, I went first, and I came out the other side. Now will you jump? Will you trust me? And that's what we're celebrating today, is our Savior, the resurrection and the life, who's given us hope in this life, restoration in this life, and hope and resurrection in the life to come, that we don't have to fear death because Jesus Christ on our behalf went before us, went before us. And that's what we're celebrating, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if in anyone, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the gospel is for anyone, no matter how far you feel from God, how close you feel from God. If anyone takes the jump and surrenders their life to Jesus, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is the new creation. The old has passed away, has been washed away in the waters of, of baptism and the redeeming, cleansing love of Jesus. And behold, the new has come. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, Jaden, Kelsey, get on up here. We're going to baptize you all.